Hi, and welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard. And I'm Elizabeth Richard. And tonight we continue our Kingdom Leadership Series with the theme of loving people. How do we love people? I mean, we know it's a commandment of Jesus. We know he said by this, all men shall know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. But uh, how do we do that? How, like we know that uh, Christians, when they gather together, we're like porcupines. And the more we gather together, the more we seem to prick one another. And it's not always easy to stay in love, to remain in love when the pricks are happening in the crowd with the other people. Uh, I remember there was a preacher once who said that you'll notice that when you walk in love, you don't sin. And that's pretty, uh, pretty accurate. And it's pretty hard. Let's just be honest. It's hard to walk in love constantly. We always have failings. If we're, if there's one thing we have failings as, as believers, is to walk in love constantly, to have love as our motive for when we serve, when we do whatever what we do, that we do it with love for God and love for our neighbor. It's not easy, but it is so necessary, as we're going to see in this episode. Yeah, so as kingdom leaders, we want to make sure that um, we're also emulating what it is to be a kingdom leader that loves. And um, we're going to talk a lot about the culture of the kingdom. Um, so I know a lot of you are thinking, well, I love my believers. You know, I love my friends. I love my Christian buddies at church. And I try to love my neighbors and love my enemies. And I try to apply everything I hear in the Bible. But there's a lot more to it, especially as a kingdom leader. So we're going to dive in. And uh, I know that this is going to bless you and it's really going to help you see um, why love is so important to uh, the father, why um, he really, really wants us to love one another. And love is, is important, like you mentioned, to our leadership as believers. Uh, like we said it in every single episode that we've done in this Kingdom Leadership series, mm-hmm. if you are a born again believer, a citizen of the kingdom of God, there is a definite leadership call on your life, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you feel like it or not, there's a leadership call on your life. This is why we did this series to basically encourage believers to walk in their assigned leadership. Okay. Leadership. There's a a big part of leadership is influence. And as believers, we are called to have a great influence. God has called us to come up higher than other people who don't believe. So when you believe, you have a high call on your life. There's a high calling for believers, and it involves leadership. And like you said, Liz, oh, you had something to say? Because I wanted to talk about culture after. Go ahead. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, we see so much division in the body of Christ, and we hear a lot of uh, leaders saying, you know, we need to unite, and we need to, you know, be a big family and and. Um, accept one another and not fight with one another with one another but it's so easy to say it but a lot of people um you know they're so like um passionate about their cause about what they what it is they're fighting for their doctrine and their doctrine and, and their beliefs and all that and then all that gets kind of you know we forget to love one another because that kind of overpowers and takes over and so the the real remedy, the real antidote for this is to love one another. If we can understand where we're all coming from and, and try to see the person as the person that God loves and not just what that person believes yes. and like hitting them over the head for what they believe that is not like you or maybe they don't believe it enough. Maybe they're not intense enough. They're not passionate about enough or they're, you know, maybe too lukewarm in their faith and that gets on your nerves whatever it may be, God loves that person, right? So it's really important for us to look at other believers through the lens of God to understand that God still, uh, you know, God did die for that believer. And, you know, it's between them and God, you know, their walk with God, you know, whether they're, you know, creating YouTube videos to bash one another, uh, whether they're, um, you know, uh, 
you know, talking in the church against one another. Um, you know, there's so many things, you know, that the body of Christ, unfortunately, can do to tear up other Christians or to not be that example of love, right? Yes. And, and so that, that's a thing that you just mentioned, Liz, and I like that you're mentioning it because uh, YouTube is so public. It's a very public platform. Yeah. And when you make a video, you might be doing it in good faith. You might be doing it with great conviction. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're doing a, a, a video and you're like, oh, well, uh, such and such person in such and such ministry, they're mm -hmm. wrong about this or that. I'm going to make a video that I'm going to prove from the Bible that they're wrong and why they're wrong and why people shouldn't follow them anymore. Well, guess what? There's non-believers who can fall on your channel. Yeah. See that video. What does that tell them? from a oh you know you might be very proud that you're presenting the truth but are you presenting the truth in love when you're bashing someone else's ministry mm -hmm. and destroying it on a public platform not really are you i mean so the person who the non-believer who maybe per chance or whatever falls on your video he doesn't see the, the the example that christ wanted us to set of loving one another like you can exhort another a believer, and I've seen that done a lot by good people, uh, men and women of God. Sometimes when they disagree or when someone is really in error, in grave error, they're going to reprove them in private. Mm -hmm. You know, first one-on-one, -on -one, just like Matthew 18 says, first one-on-one, -on -one, then with uh, two or more, uh, they're going to go if the person hasn't listened, and then they're going to tell it to the whole church. So there's steps to, to doing these things. But man, using a public platform like YouTube is so destructive to the body of Christ. And it's so many times uh, atheists or non-believers will come on, on that video and they will laugh at us. They, they, they literally think we're nuts. Yeah, and, it, and and in some way we are. And it's just sad. Yeah. And I wanted to put that out there because that, that yeah. was, I didn't think, jot down as notes, but I think it's important to mention. Yeah, and I think that that's very important you talk about that. And also, you know, from a, a new believer's perspective, right? Um, you've talked to this person about God for a really, really long time. And then they finally say the prayer of repentance and they say, yes, you know, I want to follow Christ. Okay, what's the next step? Well, come to church with me. And then they come to church with you. And then you introduce them to your friends and stuff. And then you have, you know, over time, you have these people, uh, you know, talking about, against one another uh in the church and then you know how does that look like you know to that non-belief to that first baby believer that comes to to christ it's not you know it's not a very big difference from what he sees in the world right mm. so we really have to be building yeah. ourselves up like building each other up so that you know we're we're uplifting which is the contrary of what's happening in the world People in the workplace are always belittling each other, stepping on each other, backstabbing each other, trying to get further. And so, you know, this is this has to be a huge contrast when they're in the body of Christ, when they're with believers that they're saying, wow, you know, you really have like Christian friends that really care about you and pray for you and have your back. And, you know, this is what it's supposed to look like. That's why it's so important to have that uh, kingdom love culture. Yeah, we're supposed to act in such a way that non-believers will have questions mm -hmm. to which the gospel is the answer. Right. So we're supposed to act in such a way, our conduct, our words, how we are, how we behave, mm -hmm. that non-believers will have questions to which the gospel is the answer. That's what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ. And I wanted to they talk. Have, they have to feel the love that God has for them coming through you. Through, yeah, when, it, when it's perfectly done, when you perfectly have that compassion and that love coming through you, resonating through you, when you can really see through the lens that God sees them uh, as best as you can, you know, and you can pray for that. You can ask God to, yeah. to give you more love, to help help you to see them the way he sees them. And through that, um, that special lens, it's really going to help you understand how you're to love them and how you're to help them amen to that amen to that and tonight i wanted to talk about culture because culture is basically we we have our own culture in the kingdom of god we are part of a kingdom every kingdom every country mm -hmm. every place has their culture uh for example here in canada we're canadians uh, and if you ask people in the world or especially americans they're going to define us this way they're going to say well, Canadians are unarmed Americans 
with free healthcare who are nice. That is how we are perceived. Therefore, that is part of our culture in the eyes of others. That's how Canadians are perceived, not just in America, but pretty much worldwide. So it's kind of funny. Maybe uh, building igloos and well, yeah, well that that's and driving sea but that's not our culture. That's <laughs> that's a misperception of of who we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's other other uh, cultures that we could quickly define, maybe using one or two words. For example, I jotted some here. Uh, for example, and I don't want to and I want to create stereotypes here, okay? But these are these are humorous, and you you might say, yeah, that's how I, that's kind of how I perceive them. For example, for example, so the Americans. The Americans have grandiloquence. Everything has to be big, right? It's always bigger in Texas, right? Everything <laughs> has to be big. The bank account has to be big. The car has to be big. The house, the mansion has to be big. The success has to be big. It has to be big. The grandiloquence of Americans. It has uh, to be huge. And these are stereotypes, <laughs> mind you. They're stereotypes. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. Uh, there's French snobbism. Huh? because of the French culture, especially the cooking. We, we tend to see the French in France, and, and trust me, I, I'm a French Canadian, so I'm a descendant of the French. Mm -hmm. And yet this is kind of like, even in, in movies and cartoons, especially that's how they portray the, the French as snobs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that's a very generalized picture. I don't want to insult anyone here. Uh, Japanese ingenuity, right? The Japanese, well, well when we see a, a uh, a, a, a clever robot or something that's very, very complex. We go like, oh, it must be Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's uh, Indians uh, from India. They're tech savviness, right? It's a running gag. We, we always think that we're going to, when we call tech support, it's going to be someone from India answering like, <laughs> yes, sir. What, what is the problem, sir? Uh, on the other way, uh, there's German efficiency. German efficiency. The Germans are very, very efficient when they make something. It lasts for like 50 years and you can give it to your kids after it's still good, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, so these are all like stereotypes of culture that we have. And the kingdom of God has its own culture, a very distinct culture. It's very strong. It's very defined. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But what is culture? Before I get into the definition of the culture of the kingdom of, of uh, God, what exactly is culture? Well, the best definition I've ever heard, and Liz was, was with me when she heard it, so she, she's, she's going to recognize it. The guy said, and I forget his name, and I wish I could give him the credit, but he said the best definition of culture is this is the way we do things here. This is the way we do things here. Mm -hmm. So that means that companies have culture. Yeah. Organizations have culture. Your family unit, your family, your own family has uh, a culture. There's a way your family does things. That's mm -hmm. not the way my family does things. So we each have our own definite culture. The, the company that can define their culture and um, spread their culture towards all their employees. Um, and, you know, that, that unified culture is really unified through all of those people have the strongest company, yeah. will excel the most, will sell the most, will do the best for the company. So and that's true. why there's so many trainings out there on company culture because they've seen that, um, you know, without it, your company just wilts away. It just doesn't exist. And, and I'm even going to go as far as giving you the example that even, even an elevator has a culture. An elevator, when you're going in the building and you want to go up, there's a culture. For example, you press the button, the doors open, there's people there, you come in, you keep your back to the door and you you look at the people straight in the face the whole time. Would people think you're freaking weird? Absolutely. Why? Because that goes flying in the face of the culture of an elevator. Everybody knows that when the doors open to the elevator, you get in, you turn around, you face the door and you look at the numbers. <laughs> Nobody look at each other. You might smile and nod and that's about it. That's the culture in an elevator. Even an elevator has a culture. So what defines then the culture of the kingdom of God? 
Well, it's very simple. It's a good question, but it's it's simple. And we know that it's love. And, and not, not just any love, not, not worldly love, not, not a romantic love. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about uh, the love of God acting out through his people towards one another, but also towards other people. That is the culture, the main element. There's other elements, and we're going to go through that as, as well. But that's the main element of the culture of the kingdom of God. And there's other elements in the in the, the culture of the kingdom of God. And for example, if you tell someone, let's say you, you, you have a job, and people at work know you're a Christian. You're, they know you're a believer. Well, they right away, as soon as you tell them, hey, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible, I have a relationship with God. I was born again in 1996, whatever. As soon as they know that you call yourself a Christian, expectations come from that knowledge, yeah. from non-believers, for example. Mm -hmm. So they right, right away, they think, well, he must be or she must be good-natured. She must uh, He must attend a church, read the Bible. That's a given. Believe in God and Jesus, absolutely, and pray regularly. So right away, they have an expectation of what, pretty much what you're about, the way you should behave, right? And when I mean this, the way you what should you behave. What you should do and not do. And, and I've been caught in that, in the sense that people at work, they knew I was a believer. I was not hiding it. I was very verbal about it, very open about it, mm -hmm. talked about God a lot. But let me tell you something, though. It has happened when I would say, let's say a questionable joke or laugh at a questionable joke, they would turn to me right away, look at me like, dude, like I can laugh, but you, you're a Christian. Why are you laughing? I mean, this was, this was raunchy or this was wrong or the, and then you go like, like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you feel kind of stupid, but they, they point you like, hey, dude, I expect stuff from you. Yeah. You said you were a Christian. You said you were a believer. You're not supposed to act like us. Like us, it's it's okay. We never said, we never claimed that. But you, like, we've got our eye on you. <laughs> so they expect you to behave a certain way. I like what Charlie uh, Gerard says here. He said, I learned a really cool way to have love and joy in my life, joy Joy means J is for Jesus first. Others o second. is for others and second. Last. And Y is for yourself last. Yeah, that, that's, that, really nice. that's that's an element of the culture of the kingdom. Yeah, exactly. Very well said. It, but it also sp uh, spells joy, and it gives us joy to 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 have this these priorities straight. Yeah. God first, others second, and yourself last. Well, last third, I should say. So. So I think that's enough for culture, but I, I think, I mean, you understand where I'm going with this, right? So they need to know that love is at the center of the behavior of those who are part of the kingdom, because that is the main thing that is going to attract them to want to get in that kingdom. That's the main thing. So Jesus said, Jesus said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples. And it, it was talking about loving one another. So Jesus uh, said, that, he said in John 13, 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you. So he said, he basically said, I came to set the precedent. This type of love that you have benefited from for the last three and a half years with me. And in its culmination, culmination at the cross, this type of love, what you have mm -hmm. seen, this is what I now expect you to demonstrate and show. Mm -hmm. So that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this is the, a level of loving that can only be God-given. It can only be God-given. See, we have other types of love, and I... Uh, there's there's romantic love, eros. I mean, there were these these four Greek words, right? There's philios, which is the Philadelphia. Uh, we get the name Philadelphia from, which is brotherly love, 
there's agape love and there's the um the other love i think it's um the love of a parent uh, what was it anyway i'm missing one i'm missing one maybe you, someone can can put it in the comments but there's four loves but agape love is the type of love that we are called the, the standard we are to show in our daily life which is the love of the father flowing through us to, towards one another even if we're porcupines <laughs> and out into the world as well out into the world as well so love is the overarching characteristic of the kingdom of god so as believers we are to live as kingdom citizens in such a way, like I said earlier, that it provokes questions from others to which the gospel is the answer. Miles Monroe said this. Miles Monroe said, The kingdom is the love of God prevailing in politics, in business, in government, in media. It is all the impact of the laws of God creating a social environment where the strong help the weak, where those who have give to those who don't. It's a society where relationships are built on love. So there is no better way to expand the kingdom of God than to walk in love daily, to make it a daily discipline, to ask the Lord to sanctify us, to ask the Lord to give us love for one another, to ask the Lord to give us love for our neighbors, to, to be able to see, to ask the Lord to give us eyes to see needs, the, the, the will to meet those needs. That's what we need to do as kingdom citizens, as kingdom ambassadors. And one thing that I've noticed also when it comes to love is Christians have a hard time achieving balance. We have a hard time achieving balance. Oftentimes you have two types of Christians, pretty much. You have the truth-loving Christians. They love truth. Man, truth is so good. I love truth. But they love truth so much that they can hurt people with truth. So they kind of lack that, that compassion. They, they're going to tell they the truth. People with they, they Yeah, they, 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 I, I call them Bible hitters. They hit you on the head with the Bible. They love truth, but they don't love people that much. And then there's the others, the other kind, the greasy gracers. They love people so much that they never tell them the truth because they don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. Those are two extremes that are extremely, that cause a lot of damage to, to the kingdom of God because it makes us into, uh, it makes our ministries, our service into epic fails. Both extremes are fail. And I have a clip that I want to share with you guys. It blew me away today because, first of all, I didn't even know he was a pastor. But well, that's the first thing. Wait, I'm right. Wait, I want to, I want to, I was going to get it, Liz. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, okay. So, first of all, I didn't even know he, the guy was a pastor. His name is Mark Hall. And my wife knows him pretty well because she loves, she loves their music. He's the vocalist of the group, the Christian group Casting Crowns. So, he's part of a music group. They, they do great music. Yeah. Uh, I, so I knew them as, as musicians, but I didn't know Mark Hall was also a pastor. And this and in this clip, he shares about loving people. How do how do we have that balance between the truth and the love, the compassion, and how to blend both? And man, I thought his insight was so good. And it's about three minutes and a half. You guys gotta listen to this. So be blessed as you listen to this clip by Mark Hall. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about the song Love You With The Truth. Uh, it's a, it was a really fun song to record and a very hard song to write. First of all, because the gospel's in it, and I gotta be very careful about just saying this is how to be saved. Uh, in the second verse, you see the whole gospel being said in about four lines, and uh, there's a lot of pressure on that, but just seeing that being His is surrendering our lives to Him, trusting God to make us right with Him through Jesus is how we're saved. But once we're saved, uh, we can start making even bigger messes as believers as we did when we weren't. Uh, when you look at church and why people don't go to church, it's usually not because of anything God has said. It's because of things that people say God said. It's because of how people portray God and how people paint pictures of Jesus for each other. 
There's two ways to look at God, and neither one of these are right, by the way. One is, you can be all about the truth. Man, here's the rules, this is how it works, here's the steps, you need to follow these steps, or you're in big trouble. And that's sort of what our grandparents and maybe our parents grew up with. This is how you need to do this, this is right, this is wrong. So you always felt defeated when you tried to approach God. Well, now the pendulum has swung the other way. Now grace is abounded, do whatever you want, I'm okay, you're okay, we just want to love everybody. We don't want anybody to feel like we're getting in their business. And that is just as bad. The monster is on both sides of these roads, and it's going to eat us all. Only truth will kill you. Only love will kill you. What God is saying in His Word is truth in love is what reaches people. Jesus was totally against the modern culture of His day, but He was totally for the people. You'll notice that when he was with Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus basically to his face, his entire worldview was upside down. That's hard truth. And in many ways now, we would call that judge, judgmental, right? But was it? No. He says, God so loved the world that this is what he's done. I'm the way, I'm the way to God, and I'm speaking this truth in love. Who else do we see? We see the woman at the well. Uh, we see a woman who has run from the world and try to get away from everybody and runs into Jesus, he speaks the truth to her and he tells her, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right, you don't have a husband, you had five. Has he spoken truth to her? Yes. Has he loved her? Yes. See, love earns the right to speak the truth, but then truth proves that we really love. So when it comes to reaching our friends and the people around us, we are having to fight through all the layers of junk they've got in their head of who God is like based on people that have come at them with just truth or just love. The whole idea of Thrive is dig into the Word and let Him finish you and reach out to the world. There's a tension there, right? You're going to see in this record two tensions, truth and love and faith and works. And these are the two things we're going to be diving into. I want you to check out the book of Ephesians. I want you to start reading and just walk through it. The problem with a lot of our beliefs is that we're just picking verses and reading it, and you can miss stuff and run off to the races on what you think uh, because we're not sure what it says. Get into the Word, and what you'll see is we were dead, but now we're alive. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about unity, and he says we will need to speak the truth in love. What this song is all about is loving my friend with the truth. I absolutely love that clip. When I found it today, I was like, oh, I got to share this with the, the audience tonight. They're going to love this. And it, Liz hadn't seen it. What did you think, Liz? Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's why I was saying That's a little earlier that that unity, that love that we need to to share and, and show people because he's right. We're, we're basically trying to pick up the pieces of the you know people living one extreme to the other and having this false idea of what love is yeah absolutely and uh obviously when, when you do uh when you uh, present a teaching on love or, or loving people obviously we're going to talk about first corinthians 13. we uh we happen to have a, a little uh, how do you call it liz it's like a nice little decoration in our room that we bought when we got married that kind of as a reminder, it has all of 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13 on that plaque. It's a little plaque on my desk. And uh, that's the standard. And, and I'm going to read through it. I didn't know if I was going to read through it, but I'm looking at the time here. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's take the time to read through 1 Corinthians 13. Let's get in the Word and let's, let's consider what is said there because there's a lot of good stuff in there. And, and you know, we, we know uh, what Paul says in, in that passage. A lot of it is what about what love is, but I like also that he goes into uh, what love isn't also. Uh, he kind of corrects our thinking. And I like that's what he does in the beginning. So 1 Corinthians 13, he says, "If that's from the uh, Christian Standard Bible, by the way. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So he's basically saying, like, even if I speak the, the mysteries of God and speaking in tongues and, and, and even the tongues of angels, if I don't have love, 
just like a, a gong or something that makes noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Not I have nothing. I am nothing. Now, that's a profound statement. That is a profound statement. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So this is interesting. Paul is talking about giving here. If I give away all my possessions, if I, quote unquote, uh, plant seeds, you know, uh, uh, give to ministries and give money and, 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 and give of what I have, I'm not, I'm not even going to gain nothing because my motive is wrong. My, mo my seeds won't, won't flourish. My motives are wrong. And then he goes on to explain what love. And I like. Oh, here's a, a little parenthesis I want to make here. It says love, right? And, and we know it as the, the, the chapter on love. But uh, in French, in some versions of the Bible, it is called charity charity and i like the word charity better i think it it because love is, is a word that we overuse in the english language i mean there's so many pop songs that talk about love and it's it's used it's it's used all over the place in all kinds of ways oftentimes yeah. the wrong way but the because word the the word love Im implies you love without action Yes. As in charity, plus love and action. Holy Ghost, thank you. That is exact. It's funny because before the broadcast, uh, the Holy Ghost gave me that exact insight. I was like, I want to tell them why I prefer the word <laughs> charity, that it's because it implies an action tied to it. Mm -hmm. And that is exact. My goodness, we are one flesh. I am amazed. This is great. We're one flesh. We are married. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is on. Just thank you, Lord. So, and then he goes on to, to say what love is. So, obviously, that we're more familiar with, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness, and, and that's a, that's a, <laughs> I want to talk about kindness a little bit. Uh, it's so underrated. Kindness is underrated. I notice, uh, and it's funny because, you know, we're, we're forced, in, here in Canada, we're forced to wear masks when we go shopping. If we don't wear masks, we can't go shopping. Mm -hmm. They call the cops and you're out. And I hate wearing the mask, but I do it anyway because guess what? I have kids to feed. I have myself to feed. I have to go, right? But I've noticed something, that the masks... For all I hate about them, I really hate them, and I wouldn't wear them. You know, I, I would go do away with them. But they they enable us to look in other people's eyes more. I've noticed that yeah. when I go at the cash the cashier, I look at their eyes. I, I I when I speak, I look at their eyes more than I used to because that's all you, you can see. That's the the only access you've got now. <laughs> yeah. So you don't look at their it's mouths true. anymore. You're, they're, they're hidden. So you look straight at their eyes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've noticed that your eyes can smile. Uh, today, I noticed I made a difference just by the way I treated the cashiers. I had to go pick up a few things. And just by the way I treated those cashiers, I, I know I made a difference by being kind, just being kind. So I just mm -hmm. wanted to throw that in there. So love is kind. Love does not envy. That, that's another one, huh? Scarcity mentality. We have that among believers. Uh, sometimes it's just... Yeah, uh, it's very bad. Someone very, very shared bad. a vision today. They had a, a prophetic... Vi was it an open vision or a dream? I, I forget. A friend on Facebook, and I thought it was very powerful. Uh, he said that the Lord showed him that he would pour, uh, pour greater blessing when, uh, when pastors... Would, would not envy one another anymore and they would repent from their mm. competitiveness. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was... Uh, They've lost focus of who I, they're working for and now it's just like with social media. Who's who got has the more bigger followers, ministry, more followers, bigger church, bigger yeah. this, bigger that. Um, Get, it, and, and they think that it's not prideful because they're like, oh, well, we have, you know, so many people listening to us. So... 
that means the gospel message is getting out there with with so many people but in the background they're like upset that you know they only had i don't know a hundred thousand views on their video instead of yeah. you know a million or five thousand five hundred thousand views from uh, compared to some other guy right yeah and in reality you know like if you had a hundred thousand people or let's say you you're doing youtube videos and you have i don't know 300 people listening to you can you imagine 300 people in your house yeah. what that would look like yeah 300 people listening to you i mean that's a lot of people <laughs> you know any like book any any uh you know like a hotel or something and put 300 people in there and they they'll consider you had a successful event yeah it's true <laughs> right yeah absolutely. so it's all about the way you see it and i think that it's really and even in the body of christ just with what you said i mean there's so much you know um envy you know for uh, you know, who is God going to use more in the church? Who is God going to anoint more? Who is, which pastor is going to, you know, put me in this position instead of, you know, him and we're, we're I not, have better qualities than he does. And there's so much competition. We're, we're like kids, right? I mean, we're like kids. Uh, we have three kids and they're always competing for the bigger piece of cake for the one who got the best gift. Mm -hmm. For the this, for the that. As if we love them less because they're, they're even pieces they, smaller. <laughs> they're even competing with kitchen utensils. Like who's got the newer kitchen utensil when we're about to have supper? And as as kind of amusing or frustrating it is, depending on the day, as parents, uh, man, God has the same problem on his hands, but on such a higher level, such a bigger level. <laughs> got these pastors and these ministry leaders competing with one another for oh well uh, i have only fifteen thousand followers and he's got twenty five thousand and oh I, my my church last sunday had only 300 people and the guy in on two streets away had 400 and I, it, it's, it's just sad i mean we our motives are all wrong our motives are all wrong so it does not envy all this to say love does not envy is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude. It's not rude. And that's something that uh, sometimes I have a hard time with. There's a lot of things in there that I have a hard time with, but that's one that, that comes to mind. Um, when I'm tired, when I'm hungry, oh man, when I'm hangry, I was hangry. <laughs> oh, I become rude. And and she knows it. She doesn't slap me. Uh, but uh, she, well, I, she, she, you're she, hungry, she, aren't you? <laughs> She just calls me on it. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's her way of saying, apologize. You weren't very nice. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I am hungry. Uh, is not self-seeking. Not self-seeking. Is not irritable. There you go. And does not keep a record of wrongs. A record of wrongs. You know when we pile up stuff in the back and, and then the, at the right timing, at the right moment when we're having a fight, well, you remember three years ago when you did that? And we bring it out. We bring it back out like an arsenal. Like we keep yeah. it in the background. To... We we learned not to do that in the beginning of our marriage. We learned that very fast. And yeah, that's, uh, that's that, that can be very destructive. Very destructive. Yeah, that's that's something that if you... Because um, it's so easy. It's so easy to go back. If you don't learn this in your marriage quick you won't have much of a marriage <laughs> you know, it, it won't last i mean this is really because it's so easy to go it's back really, yeah and it, use the, the the ammunition because i mean we hurt the most the people we're closest to and and yeah. i mean i know unfortunately and i, and I hate to, to say this but because we've been close so close for 18 years she's the person i probably hurt the most in my whole life and the same can be said uh, of her. And, and that's just unfortunate. That's not what we want. She's also the person who's blessed me the most. She's also the person who's been the, uh, the, done the most good to me, uh, ob person. obviously. But um, unfortunately, you know, be life being the way it is and, and us being carrying, you know, having still having to fight sin every day. So it's important to not hold any grudges. No. To speak no. whatever is on your mind whatever is bothering you right away to not let it fester and and you know uh what is the word 
that like bitterness marinate you know? in your heart and yeah. your mind for too long it has to and come the out. devil loves that the devil loves that yeah. he's gonna feed he's it, gonna when, use he sees it that, against you. when he sees those the, the, those sparks coming in your heart he's gonna start feeding them and, and bringing all kinds of thoughts in your mind and, and that brings bitterness and then the devil has a lot to to play with right yeah. so it's really important to to not play in this trap so love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Christ mm -hmm. endured all the way to the cross. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will become, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Now, all these things, by the way, Paul talks about in heaven someday because in heaven we will know perfectly so obviously knowledge will cease we won't need to pray in tongues anymore in heaven we're going to be face to face with jesus uh prophecy same thing we're going to know all we're going to like right now we know in part then we're going to know uh, mm -hmm. fully so he says it right next verse for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when the perfect comes the partial will come to an end when i was a child i spoke as a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child when i became a man I put aside childish things. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. A beautiful passage. like It's classic, classic. Mm -hmm. But as with all classic passages, oftentimes we take it for granted. Oftentimes, we're like, yeah, I read that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, sure, I know that. Like John 3, 16, like, I know that. Psalm 23, I know that. 1 Corinthians 13, I know that. But uh, we, we can't take the word of the Lord for granted. Can't when it's time it to put into practice, that's a whole other ballgame. It's a lot to, to do. <laughs> and, and, and the love of Christ, the love that, that Jesus came to show when he says, love as I have loved you. It's a fatherly affection, a, a godly fatherly affection, a godly love. We know that when we fulfill, when we do the golden rule, when we do unto others what we would like others to do unto us, we fulfill the golden rule. But that's more akin to brotherly love. Mm -hmm. Now, fatherly love goes a step further. I mean, if you have kids, I have kids. You know what fatherly love, fatherly love gives more. I mean, the kid, brotherly love gives pretty much equal like you do unto others is that you would like to them to do unto you and, and it's kind of like on the same level thing but the fatherly love the kid can never love as much as his father a, a child can never love as much as his father or mother a parent so uh you know having kids is, is a blessing for the because it shows you a level of love that you've never known before yeah i'm not with i would take a bullet like if, let's say a crazed man came uh, in, 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 on my on my land, it started to, to to become rowdy. I would gladly take a bullet for my any any of my kids. I don't even think twice about it. I would just like put myself in between them. I, you don't think you you just go and do. Now, you know, children, it's, it's not the same. They they they, they expect the, the father to provide in that that kind of uh, that kind of love. So we know that the fulfillment of the love that is required, the law, the fulfillment of the law, includes love. First, we need to love the Father, right? That's in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. That's the first part of the law. And, that, and the second part, let me just finish this. Yeah. And the second part, love your neighbor as yourself. Like if you're able to do these two things, first part, Love the Lord your God, the, the way it says here, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. If you can love God that way, the second part is easily fulfilled. Mm -hmm. When you love God that way, the second part is like a um, a bonus. <laughs> you get it. It gets done by the, the Holy Ghost does it as a bonus. Boom. All of a sudden, you find yourself uh, not finding it hard anymore to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, and just the first part is is very deep, you know. It's Love a, the Lord your God deep. with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and with all your mind, and that 
you know, basically with means all your being that it's with all your being, you're not holding back anything. Not you're not back. saying no to anything. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, leaders that, um, and, you know, maybe people that don't see themselves as leaders that are in the body of Christ, that are Christians that um, say no to Jesus, say no to God all the time. And, um, hmm. you know, when you don't, there. it's all about how you think about it. And they'll say, oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. But when it's time to put the action into place of what God is possibly asking you to do, and oftentimes to start, it's a small thing. It's never a huge thing. And most of most Christians will stop and say, well, I can't do that. I can't learn that. That's yeah. something new. I can't get out of my comfort zone and learn that. Like, get out of my I comfort. don't know that. Like, if God's going to ask you to do something that you already know, mm. what's the point of that? Like, well, well, Jesus there's said, no it, point in I, that. And I forget the, the reference in the Bible, but Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, mm. and do not do what I ask? Mm. Like, yeah. Why? So obedience is love as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when God is calling you and he's pulling you to do a certain thing and it's outside of your com comfort zone and it's something that maybe, you know, you have no clue, you know, where provision is going to come afterwards. Or maybe you don't know um, how to do a certain thing. It's going to be a learning curve. You're going to have to maybe take a course. Maybe you're going to have to learn somehow, um, you know, ask advice do the study before you have to, to implement or do both at the same time, action and study. We've done that many, many times. And um, I know for, for a fact, you know, the Lord oftentimes has asked us to be obedient in a certain area. And oftentimes it wasn't an area that we had knowledge about. We had to learn as, as we went and fly on, <laughs> fly with your wings <laughs> on the way down. Build your, build your wings, build your on, wings the way down. on the way down. Exactly. And then fly up and down and up and down. It's been like that a lot, you know? And so I just want to encourage you by saying, you know, think about that when you say that you're going to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all, all your being. being, all your soul. What does that imply for you? You know, what have you been saying no to God? What have you been saying, you know, I'm not adequate enough for this or, uh, you know, I don't feel ready for this, so I'm not going to do it. You know, think about what that means to, to really um, hear him all the time, you know, to always be, um, you know, have those those words, those Bible uh, promises in, in your mind, um, seeking that knowledge, listening to that knowledge on a regular basis and having, you know, him be so such a big part of your life, you know, what that looks like. Yeah. And the implications also for say, when you say no to the Lord, the implications concerning your destiny mm. are immense. Uh, of course, God isn't taken aback by that. Like God is, God is not like, oh no, I said no. What, angels, we need a meeting now. What are we going to do? Sebastian said no. He's not not caught off guard by that. He's not stressed out by that. But the implications for us, and I remember when he he confirmed his call for me to be in full-time ministry, he simply said this. He said, I, and he said this, he spoke to my spirit. The Lord spoke to my spirit. And he said, I have all the time in the world, but you don't. That was it. That's mm -hmm. all he needed to say, trust me. I got the point real fast. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, you're God. I'm not. Yeah, I started to sink in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And also because he was in that limbo of, you know, when you you know that you're possibly called for something, but you're kind of waiting hey, for you're, that confirmation. You're hesitant. Kind of yeah, yeah, I was Procrastinating hesitant. and waiting and not doing enough and kind of like letting time go by, not putting that action, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was a, it was on point. I mean, every, every word of God is so on point mm. and that was on point for me. Believe it. Uh, I want to talk as we, as we reach the end of this broadcast about our mentor, John Maxwell, to whom I owe a great debt of gratitude, because if there's anyone in my life who taught us, taught me to love people, to make it a priority in my life, 
it was John Maxwell. And John Maxwell started out in life, and he says it himself when you if you get to know him through his conferences and teachings, he says that he had a wonderful, wonderful childhood, like almost perfect parents, not perfect, but, you know, he, he was really blessed with a great upbringing. And uh, he went and studied ministry in college and university. And he, when he first uh, needed to begin his pastorate, when he was going to take his first pastoral job at a church, his father, who himself was a pastor, who had been a, a very successful pastor for many, many years, he was his mentor. So he was John's mentor. It was his father. He had a great relationship with his dad. So obviously, the first person he went to see was his dad. He was ready to take the mantle of a church. So it, it wasn't going to be his father's church. It was another church. But he, he, nonetheless, he really wanted uh, to, uh, to pick his brain, to pick his father's brain. He went like, okay, dad. Uh, I'm ready for this. I'm going to do this. What do you recommend? Well, like, what, what's your what's your one piece of advice you have to give me before I start running with this? And he says, make sure that you love people. That's it. Make sure that you love people and that you add value to them. And that, for John Maxwell, was the anchor point for the rest of his ministry uh, life, it, it became the one thing that he, uh, it, it became his, uh, his mission statement, basically, adding value to people. Loving people and adding value to people became his mission statement. And if you hear any teaching by John, I think, I don't think that I've ever heard one single teaching where John Maxwell didn't mention adding value to people. No. I, if I look back, and I've heard hundreds of them. Yeah, it's always there. Hundreds of them. But I think there's not one, there's not a single one that he didn't at least mention it, mm -hmm. add value to people. Because it's, it's the one thing that we're supposed to do as kingdom citizens, as believers. It's the culture of the kingdom. And if we don't have that down, we don't have the kingdom down. We, we're not bringing the kingdom with us. So it's the only way to bring the kingdom is to love people and add value to people. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a quote he, he said a lot. It's not from him, but he mentioned it. I, I forget. I, I didn't jot down who it's from. But uh, people will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's funny because last week we were talking about knowledge, the importance of knowledge. And it's so important in the life of a kingdom leader. Mm -hmm. To have knowledge, to not neglect knowledge, to add to your faith, knowledge. These things are right. important. They're, they're essential. And yet, keep in mind that love is the greatest thing of all, right? And people will not care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's true even in my life. I, I remember when I would hear teachers whom I didn't sense loved people. Because there are teachers like that, that you, you, yeah. you hear them and they have a, a, an authority, a, an authoritarian voice. They, they, you don't sense, you don't sense love coming from them. You sense that they just want to throw their knowledge in your face in a kind yeah. of an aggressive manner. That would repel me so much. And, and I'm not that sensitive. I mean, when I, when I want to know something, I can handle a lot. I can, I, I, I've, I've listened to all kinds of people throughout the years. But for, there were some people in my life that I met that they just had a way of, of presenting what they knew in a way that was arrogant, that was, I, I could sense that they didn't care about the individual mm. who was listening to them. And that, that, that uh, rebuffed me. I didn't like it. I, I just, I would, I would stop listening to them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, people can sense that very strong. Oh, we, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and here's a, something I jotted down. You cannot add value to people unless you value people. And if you value people, you will love them. Simple as that, right? So you cannot add value to people unless you value people. And if you value people, you will love them. Yeah, and I think a lot of people today, you know, like to... Um 
And that we see that in everything. I mean, you see that even in your dentist. When you go to the dentist, you'll pick the dentist that seems to care more yeah. about your well-being and how you feel and, you know, everything that's going on, the whole process and educating you, but, you know, not talking to you like you're an idiot, but talking to you in a way that really informs you, but in a caring way, not in a way that's just to make money off of you or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can sense these things and you're going to pick that doctor, that dentist that you genuinely, genuinely can feel that genuinely cares about you. And it's not just about making an extra buck or it's not about, you know, growing their business. And that, that shows up online as well. You know, there's so many uh, ministries out there that, that, knowledge, you know, knowledge is great. We talked about that in the, the past broadcast, and I encourage you to go listen to that if you didn't listen to it. But, you know, knowledge without love, there's oh, a problem there too, because problem, yeah. like you said, you know, just shooting knowledge at people and then not really genuinely caring, uh, seeing that you care, like, why do you need this knowledge? Why am I trying to help you by yeah. giving you this knowledge? You know, what are you going to lose if you don't learn this, you know? And that that's been a big part of our of our ministry and thriving on purpose. If you look at all the past episodes, um, you know, we we've always tried to be transparent of what God has shown us, what God has taught us so that you can learn from these things and not kind of, you know, go through these um, these pitfalls, if you want, that the enemy puts in front of you so that you're kind of aware, you know, like, oh, okay, that, that they told me about this, you know, I see that in my life, and it kind of helps you. So if we're not transparent, then you're not going to learn as much, you know, these things God, um, God used to get us out of, yeah. right? So the enemy threw pitfalls and tried to trap us in many areas in our lives. And, um, and we overcame them with God's grace and with God's power and with God's wisdom and so many things that the Lord used to help us to, to get through them. So that's why we share these things because we care Yeah. because we, we want to help. In you, other words, right? uh, when we share something that, that kind of makes us look a little silly sometimes, it's not as important as the lesson that it's going to convey to you exactly. and help you. So if, if it makes me look silly, but it helps you, to overcome man bring it i'm gonna look silly every day it doesn't matter like i don't care it's not because oftentimes we're gonna uh before and we broadcast oftentimes we pray lord it's not about me help me to make uh this broadcast about you and yeah. about uh, others your children the other children that you have yeah and and that goes back to the that important prayer you know if you pray and which we have done if you pray that God helps you to see people in the same lens that he wants you, yeah. that, he that he sees, sees them, them. Yeah. and he gives you that compassion, then you understand that <clears throat> the things that you did go through are not in vain. God will use them, yeah. but you have to be willing to be used and to um, to explain those things and to be you know, transparent and to talk about them because they can help somebody and you do that genuinely because you care because you love people exactly. because you uh, don't want to see people suffer you remember that pain you remember what it felt like and you know others are going through similar things you don't want them to not know how to get through them basically there's a great verse here that that uh, i remember i read it when, it when i was young the first time and, and it really struck me and i love that verse it's in first john 4 20 it says if someone says I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Mm -hmm. That is a powerful statement. And, and, and not only that, but the person, uh, if, if, you, if you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, who is made in the image of God. Think about that. The, the brother... Our sister is made in the image of God. So you have to respect that, at least respect that enough to recognize it. And when you recognize this, guess what? You're going to start loving people. When you, when you recognize that here behold in front of me is a human being made in God's image. Just like myself, I'm made in God's image. Uh, I remember in, in philosophy class back in college, 
professor said, uh, he quoted someone, I don't, I forget who it was, but he said, uh, your eye sees others, but others also see you. In other words, others, they, they also have that, that soul, that capacity, that they are also made in the image of God. So whatever you experience, they experience as well. And you have to respect that and recognize that. It's a powerful thing when you understand that a human being is made in the image of God. It's a very sacred thing. Uh, so Liz, I'm ready to share, because I wanted to end, uh, we, like, we like doing that, ending with John Maxwell. And uh, this week, we're going to share the clip. And before we share the clip, Liz has a few words she wants to say, but we're going to share the clip of John Maxwell, a minute with Maxwell, where uh, he, he's basically saying that leaders love their people. And he's going to explain why that is, why it works, why it should be that way. So don't forget, there's a leadership call on your life. And that leadership call requires you as a kingdom citizen, as a kingdom ambassador, to love people. And to show them that love in action. Um, yes. You know, sometimes, like I always say it in our podcast, it's little things. Sometimes it's just little things. Sometimes it's listening to somebody that yeah. you're working with that can make such a, dif a difference. Um, sometimes it's an act of service, doing something, going out of your way to show God's love to that person that maybe is having a rough day. Um, there's so many different ways that we can show love. If we actually stop and think, how can I show love to this person? How can I show God's love to this person that I'm that God's put in your life during that day? You know, yeah. we work with all kinds of people. And uh, just going to the supermarket, you can make a difference, small differences, you know, little things that we can do. If we open our eyes, we can always find somebody that we can help, right? Yeah. Um, and I want to encourage you to go to thrivingonpurpose.com. There's free resources there if you haven't gone there to get some. Um, there's going to be more. We're actually uh, updating our, um, our website, so we're going to be adding new things. Um, and also go to that page because you'll want to join our email list to have all the broadcasts. We do one every week, especially on Wednesdays that we can send to you in your inbox. So if you don't have a chance to download, you can have that email and uh, download our podcast through that email. And if you're watching us from YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so that you know whenever a new video, a new teaching comes out from Thriving on Purpose. Also, if you would like to support this ministry, it's very very feasible, very easy. Just go to thrivingonpurpose.com, and we have a donate button if you want to encourage them and give bless button, this ministry. Yeah. So you want to play this? Absolutely, yeah. So we're ending this week with a minute with Maxwell, where John Maxwell is basically giving us a short lesson on how do you love people as a leader. So be blessed. And thrive on. Welcome to Minute with Maxwell. My name is John. I was recently speaking to a group of leaders and I said, when you stop loving your people, you should stop leading your people. So let's talk about what does it mean to lead with love. When a leader leads with love, the first thing that is very apparent is that it's not about the leader. The the, whatever he or she is doing, it's not about who they are and, and, and what they command from others. It's always about others. I love the expression that it's wonderful when the people believe in the leader, but it's even more wonderful when the leader believes in the people. Well, that's what leading with love and belief is all about, just loving and believing in the people. I think that leadership is a very difficult job. I think it's a very heavy responsibility, and I have a I just have a feeling that for most of us, we get tired of it. But the thing that keeps us going is that we love our people. The moment that I stop loving you as a leader is the day I start manipulating you as a leader, and that's always wrong. So I would just suggest you today to kind of check your love thermometer, get your love gauge out and ask yourself, do I still love the people I lead? If the answer is yes, keep leading. If the answer is no, quit because I've never known a, an effective good leader who had great leadership skills but did not love his or her people that was effective in leading them. Thanks for joining me today on Minute with Maxwell. Mm -hmm.